Blog Talk Radio. session here tonight. We'll talk a little bit about what transpired over this past weekend, what the hot news is, and uh, some free agency mix-ups, all kinds of good stuff coming up here tonight on uh, the Blog Talk Radio Network, uh, trying to get to the studio for some reason. Um, having issues getting there, so give me just a second. I'll get you guys on board here for some reason. Oh, goodness gracious. I don't know why the heck I get this little red icon sometimes uh, with the blog talk icon instead of our actual uh, logo here. But most of the time I have to log out and log back in, and then I'll be able to bring the guys here on to the studio side. I generally have a rant to open up with. I don't really have much to uh, to rant about this week um, other than, you know, uh, track bashing and uh, sportsmanship. Uh, um, I think those are some serious issues uh, that are going on in the short track world. And, uh, you know, just be aware. Be aware of this, uh, the things you say people hear and uh, act accordingly to that. Um, People do use screenshots all the time, which you think may be a private conversation. Uh, is isn't necessarily as private as you think it is. And then when you post stuff on Facebook and Twitters and all the other kind of crazy social media sites, um, be careful what you place there. Um, you, you, uh, you don't know how 
many times things can be misunderstood or uh, even just uh, saying things that uh, you may not uh, should say. I think I've been guilty of that just as anybody. Uh, but, uh, you know, we just do better. We just try harder, do better. Um, I went to a race this weekend, uh, the Dixie 50 down at Hasbrook Speedway, and I actually got to sit in the bleachers for the first time in a very long time. Um, and I didn't – it's not what I wanted to do. It was what I was uh, led to do. And I knew the moment that I sat down that I was where I needed to be for the time being. Though I love to put my heart and soul into dirt track racing, a lot of times, um, you know, you miss the, the fun times. You miss the important part. When you get to sit there and you get to see how important it is to these fans, if they pull for their drivers, if they pull for their hometown team, um, you know, their home track, uh, it really puts things in perspective. When you go to another facility and you see how these guys work amongst each other every week, you have to gain that kind of respect. What I'm trying to tell you is if you're upset at a racetrack for some reason, something didn't go your way, we so many times live in our own stuff, and we don't, we don't really think about the other side of things. If we could do more of that and less uh, judging, less uh, uh, slandering, um, I, I think we could take racing to a whole other level. Uh, yeah, and you know, at least it would be a lot more peaceful. At least uh, things would be more civil. Um, there's always people challenging rules. There's always people challenging authority. Um, cheating is is racing, and that's just part of it. That's part of where uh, racing kind of began from. Is it does it fit into our society that we live in now? I don't. I don't think so. I think that we are more in the time of where we, you know, in. You know, the, in the days of being honorable, well, you might have uh, cheated on your race car a little bit. Well, those days of being honorable and, and, and kind and, and whatnot, we, we're a little bit less of that. So we need a little bit tighter rule book. We need a little bit tighter rule set. And we don't need to push the issues as much because those do create conversations. And the reason why they create conversations is because of money. Money is the, the power behind all of that. If you spend a lot of money, you want in return what you've, what you've placed value into. And sometimes the return isn't necessarily monetary, but it is in some form or fashion a return. If you're being cheated and not being able to cede to that expectation because other people are cheating, that, that creates an offset. That creates, um, uh, it creates conflict. And uh, I think that uh, as we try to move and catapult this sport in the future, it's those things that we're going to have to quit challenging, and we're going to have to quit bashing racetracks, and we're going to have to follow the rules of, of what is placed by these sanctioning bodies, and we're going to have to work to uh, do better with our sportsmanship and not so much of, you know, worried about um, the, the simple stuff, you know. Uh, but uh, that's all I have to really say today, other than, you know, I enjoyed uh, sitting on the other side of things and putting life back into perspective and why we do what we do every weekend. And uh, uh, with that, I'll bring on my partners in crime. I believe uh, Taz Taylor and Ms. Lee Reed's in the studio. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good. 
Right, well, we got a lot to cover here tonight, so uh, let's jump and dive right on in. Um, I, I wasn't too impressed with the race this past weekend. Uh, as, as with Taz, I was uh, uh, real busy on Saturday night. I didn't get home until 4 o'clock in the morning. I, I watched a little bit of the race and kind of uh, didn't feel like I missed too much, and that's unfortunate because Bristol is one of my favorite tracks, and here we are with the announcement that we're not going to go dirt racing any, anymore. But yet we've had um, some pretty darn good races, I think, on the dirt racing side. Um, Bristol uh, failed to lift up to its name once again uh, this past weekend. I mean, I'm not mad about who won, by no means. Uh, you know, Denny Hamlin, matter of fact, I feel like I'm kind of pulling more for Hamlin this year than I ever have. So that's not a product of frustration. It is just the product of the racing. And I wonder how you guys feel about it. Um, I know Taz Taylor kind of missed a little bit of the race, but hopefully Miss Lee caught – the whole thing is she can kind of uh, fill us in where we may be wrong here tonight. But uh, let's start with the first subject here. Was, uh, was the Bristol race that good of a race? I'll start with you, Mrs. Lee. What did you think? No, it wasn't. It was very disappointing. And it's funny oh. because it, it's funny. I, I caught Race Hub tonight, and they had uh, Keselowski and Larson on there. And they both talked about, how there was a lack of attrition in this race. You know, tires weren't wearing out. Um, you know, the couple of wrecks eliminated enough cars that there wasn't the big pack racing. Um, you know, the the pit decisions weren't as influential as they usually are. So I think they... I, it, my impression was that they felt that it was kind of a boring race, too. And that's from the driver's perspective. Anytime yeah. that you're on a high bank of a racetrack, on a small racetrack such as Bristol, it's very odd to hear that the drivers uh, felt like they were more on a Sunday drive than they were a race as well. So uh, that, that's uh, definitely, at least they're being honest there, Ms. Lee. Right. It was hard to watch. Y'all know me. I love racing. Like, I just come home from racing. I stayed up till like, 7 o'clock that morning. I watched uh, from about lap 250 on Ford. I got to see the Joey Logano wreck. Um, I'm not sure that I took the checkered flag uh, because I fell asleep. Um, but, you know, all in all, I didn't feel like the need to go back and rewatch it. So, uh, you know, honestly, you know, I was like, well, you know, I guess I'm glad I didn't waste my nights in at home watching this race and not going to a short track, right? Right. Yeah, if the race is going to be this damn boring, it needs to be on Sunday so at least people can watch it instead of affecting their their short track experience uh, where they can go get some real short track racing. And, I, and I'm not bashing NASCAR. I just I just feel like we've messed up somewhere at Bristol, and it's disappointing. Taz Taylor. Taz, is that you? You know, I never heard him say anything. Is he here? He said he was in the queue. Yeah. Turn the mute off, Taz. Okay. Turn the mute off. Maybe. Ah. It's okay, Taz. It's all right. Just work yourself through it. We're not going to judge you. Believe he is. He's got daddy, daddy things. But anyhow, the yeah. the, um, the uh, truck and Xfinity races were definitely 
better okay. than the um, uh, cup race was, in my opinion. That's for sure. That's for sure. I enjoyed the uh, I enjoyed the, the the Xfinity race. I thought the cup race. I mean, I thought the truck race was a little boring. Didn't have as much action, but now there was some good racing. So I'm not sure. You know, based off of what I've seen for Saturday versus what I've seen Thursday night, it was a lot more entertaining. Uh, at least there was more racing. At least there was more side-by-side, more passing and whatnot uh, in the truck race. There right, wasn't, uh, exactly. The, uh, spectacular wrecks as the Xfinity race had. I thought the Xfinity race had some spectacular crashes and just, you know, it's overall uh, just better racing uh, through the Xfinity series. Yeah, exactly. There was there was more passing. There was more, you know, you you were watching them figure out the grooves. I don't know. Maybe maybe the track was too rubbered in for the Cup race. I don't know. But they, well, you know, you watch the PJ one. Right, but you watch the trucks and the Xfinity cars figure the grooves out. You know, it took them a while, both both of those series. It took them a while to figure them out. And that was, it, it was also very instrumental to the ending of both races. Right. You know, it, it, and how the grooves changed through the night. And you just did not see that with the cup race. Yeah, that was at one point down the Xfinity Series race where there were five to six cars bidding for the win. And when I say they were bidding for the win, they were within a half a second of each other. I don't understand how the come we couldn't get the same style racing on Saturday that we got on Friday. There was multi-groove racing. There was uh, cars passing each other left and right. But then on Saturday night, it was a freaking parade lap. Yeah, and and that's why I'm wondering, you know, did they put more PJ1 down or no? Because they did. yes, I, they I did. just didn't see the same thing. Right. They did put it down early Saturday morning. And my son said, Dad, that race is going to suck. Why he felt that way? I wish he was here right now so I could ask him. Yeah, he's at work. That would be interesting to hear because, I, I, you know, being that we had two good races, I, I wonder well, I why he Rip, felt that, too. I don't think grip is the answer, and that's what the BJ1 is. It's, it's a grip additive, and I'm not sure that that's actually the answer. Um, if you haven't grip, then you're uh, p- probably uh, not having much tire wear off and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, it's not a slick race track. Well, and a again, slick race that, you know, where that... the tire's moving, you're going to burn those tires off. Well, and and that goes back. So maybe it was the tire package. I don't know, you know. But that that then it goes it goes back to what Brad and Kyle both said about the lack of attrition in the race. Right. Yeah. You know, here's my idea. If we can't have dirt on, let's go laminate it. Let's just go pour some plastic over the top of that concrete and that rubbery plastic stuff. And see uh, see how much grip the the tires will get then. I guarantee you, you, uh, oh you have to slide down on your you have to slide down the bottom on your bottom if you were willing uh, having to walk up the racetrack and that stuff was down. Uh, you know, I mean, but we got to do something. We've got to do what something about with ice? Crystal. This is ridiculous. What about ice? Ice, I, I love it. 
I love it. As long as it's not the bad stuff, you know? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> right? So, yeah, you know, we got to do something. Look, obviously this is a short track issue. It's been going on for the last two years with this new car. They've done multiple tests to try to figure out how to make this car uh, uh, more compatible at this style racetrack. Um, it's almost like, man, you know, as Denny said before, scrap this car and build one that can race the short tracks because we are we are a sport of short tracks. They they cut the cookie cutters out. They wanted more short tracks, and right. now we have terrible racing at short tracks. Terrible racing at road courses and, and short tracks. Because I don't care about the road courses. Let it be terrible racing, so we'll quit going there. I'm gonna, if we quit going to short tracks, I'm just not going to watch racing. I'm going to butt in on this one because Brad Keselowski said this um, somewhere on social media. I don't remember where exactly, but he shared somebody's comment or something like that where a fan was saying how we wanted more short tracks and road courses, but the racing's not that great. But in terms of the mile-and-a-half package, like, we've gotten uh, pretty good races for the most part. And Brad kind of said it, well, if this is the fans' reaction, maybe we need to cut back on short tracks and road courses and focus more on the mile-and-a-half again. If this is what's going to keep fans fans entertained and tuned into these races, then this is what NASCAR should look into. You know what? I am a road course fan. That was my first big NASCAR experience, so I'm all I'm all about the road courses. But I think maybe there are a few too many of them. But no, don't you dare cut the short tracks out. And and I agree with the comment that you know that Denny made that maybe they need to scrap the car and, and, and start over again. You know, yes, it's safer. Um, I don't think it's costing any less money, but you know, yeah, you, you got to figure out some, something, go back to the days where you had a separate car for your short tracks and one that could handle the mile and a half and the road courses, you know, go ahead. What if the answer truly is treaded tires? Well, there's that, that's a thought too. I, I would not be against giving that a try. I don't think I would be either. And considering what we've seen in North Wilkesboro, it's left the question in the back of our mind. It was only a truck race, and it was only for a little while, but it seemed like the racing was better on uh, traded tires instead of stickers. And that makes sense if the tire compounds are just not going to, if we're just not going to be able to find the correct compound to go with a sticker tire at a short track. You know, we run all these other other options at short tracks that are, uh, you know, short track package. Let's just call it the tread tires, the short track package tire. Look, dirt cars don't go out on slicks. They go out on tread. 
It's a short track. It's dirt, no doubt. But I don't know if cup cars were out on the dirt track and treaded tires or not. I think they were in I think they were slick. Were they not? No, for the uh cup dirt race it was treaded. Oh, yeah, I don't know everything. Well see and and this and this goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, is is it the car or was it the tire package? Maybe it was the tire package. I you know. So yeah, why not give that a try? Yeah, I mean we can start simple here. You know, and I mean scrapping up. scrapping the entire car is the more expensive option. So yeah, let's go to Goodyear and let's say, hey, let's try this. It's, it, it's got to be less expensive than trying to build a whole new car again. My only thing is you would have to do it on an exhibition race, so try it at the Clash and All-Star race. That would be your only real options. You know what? You say that, Taz, but I've watched these guys go out for Daytona 500 practice without making a single lap on the racetrack. I mean, it's in Daytona 500 qualifying without making a single practice lap out on the racetrack. So, I mean, I, I feel you. Like, I'd rather have but I mean, I feel like these guys have already tested this tire. It's not something new. Um, let's just try it. Let's go to our next short track. You know, maybe not Phoenix. Phoenix may not be the answer. You know, let's, let's schedule a test at Martinsville or Richmond and just see. Just see how this tire works with tread on it. You know, um, it's a different style car. It's obviously not the same kind of car that the Xfinity Series is running or the Truck Series. If it was, we would have had similar racing. Agreed. I'm glad somebody said something. <laughs> How about Dale Jr.? Boy, I thought he was going to win that race Friday night. Unfortunately, they're going to still got the it. car. Car caught on fire, like from the inside. Like that never happened. I don't know how it happened. I'm glad that Junior was okay. Um, I'm not sure why they didn't throw a caution flag there. Uh, um, cough, cough. NASCAR fix. Cough, cough. <laughs> yeah, it was just <laughs> odd. You, know, you got uh, you got your. The guy who sold more, sold more tickets to a NASCAR race than any other driver combined, and he's down there on fire, and you don't even get a caution. I mean, the guy yeah, also he, sold out. But he, the guy also sold out more spots for a late model. He got off the track, and and the twenty, I think it was the twenty team helped him out. You know, so it was. I, I, I don't see that there was any reason to call a caution there. Uh, I'm just a junior defender. I know. It's okay. I've been called worse. <laughs> I thought he was going to win the damn race, Ms. Lee. I really did. Like, oh, I, and he no, was, he was, he was, he was definitely in contention. But remember, he said before the race even started, he was not going to mess with the um, the the race for their case. Basically, right. he said he wasn't going to get in the way of that. So, right. I mean, yes, that fire was there, but you know, um, I don't know. I guess I got my tin hat on. Oh, you think he pulled off? 
Uh, you maybe. You, you think maybe his head got the swirling? Or he, he just didn't want to get caught up in... I don't know. That's the, the tin hat. I got to no, put one I'm, on. I'm, I I'm, I'm from. saying maybe. I'm saying maybe this was a. Uh, it was a setup. Yeah. You know, he was poised to possibly win, and they had a backup plan because he didn't want to mess with the 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 standings amongst the Xfinity drivers. Yeah, because he was, he could have knocked his own car out of competition. Right. Uh, and she and had I, the problems and honestly, with the other cars. He had nothing to lose. He had nothing to lose if he wasn't going to win. He had nothing to lose to pull off. You know, and, and I honestly, that was something that I hadn't even thought of before just now. But maybe, maybe they had a backup plan so that. <laughs> he wouldn't dominate with no thought into this. his own driver. <laughs> Holy shit. But it's so real, though. I mean, it could be. Like, he would have nothing to lose. He's not going to win much by coming home fourth place. Uh, he didn't want to get into a uh, wrecking situation with his own race car, as being that Justin Algier, he was the only car left of Junior Motorsports out there other than Dale Jr., um, right. You know, it, that, that, it just that, you know, and I was trying to find the fire in the race car. Where was the fire at? I know they sprayed the, the spray in there, but as I it watched was the official, I was kind of confused. I was confused about where the fire was because Junior looked at the back of his leg as if it, the back of his leg was hot or something. But, you know, um, yeah, obviously, that's very interesting. It was somewhere Good in the footwell, but it was, it was, he said, I forget where exactly he said he could see it, but it was yeah. somewhere in the footwell, and all it did was burn a little bit of, of down, you know, down by his ankle. And there was no, there was no heavy smoke or nothing. And and the the pit crew, what, whatever pit he stopped in, I think it was the twenty. I'm not sure, but well, you know they went they on. helped them, but it was like they weren't like it wasn't like they jumped into action, you know, like there was something really serious going on there. Wait a minute, Miss Lee, you know. He talked about the biggest fear that he's ever had was when he almost burned up in a race car, right? In the Corvette, mm-hmm. he said his father mm-hmm. helped pull him out of the pull him out of the race car. Then he was in an airplane crash, and he talked about the fear once again—that fear of the burning race car. He had that same fear in the airplane crash. If mm-hmm. there was a slight bit of smoke or maybe fire in the race car. Do you think he that he been. may have overreacted? Well, PTSD is a son of a bitch. I well, I I hadn't looked at it from that perspective, but but there's that too. You know, that's what we have opinions for, right? Everybody has an asshole, right? That's right. <laughs> and, and 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 I'm and I'm known to be. 
And I am well known to be a conspiracy theorist. So, you know, that's why I threw out the planned part. Right? And then it opened the door to this. Taz, are you able to join in on this conversation? Where's Craig at? So, um, so I can see where Miss Lee's coming from on the whole conspiracy of Dale Jr. Uh, winning deal or whatever. But at the same time, I see it as I think he still got it as long as um, I guess you can throw in like a PTSD effect into it. Because, I mean, when you put him in a late model, he's always a top contender to win. Yeah, so I think yeah, he's yeah. That's why it was really weird. He looked panicked, y'all. He did. He looked panicked. That's why I'm having a hard time really feeling like it was a script, that this was like a plan B. I, it, it, because I felt, I felt the panic. I felt the rush. Like he was trying to get out of that car, right? And, you know, I guess if he was faking it, he would want to look that way as well. But it just... You know, it just uh, it brings up an interesting as you were saying there, Taz. I'm sorry. No, no, you pretty much hit it because Junior sold out North Wilkesboro and was a top running car. And no matter where he goes with a late model nowadays, he's a front runner, easy. And when you put right. him in an Xfinity car, let's say this race for example, um, I know Junior didn't want to be a factor in the Xfinity playoffs, but you knew he was going to run his race. And when Junior's going to run his race and he's, like, fully confident about it, you know he'll he'll shine bright. And I think he was lacking a little <laughs> bit of it. Because so I honestly... Yeah. I honestly thought if he had more confidence in himself, he would have won that. Yeah, I feel like there was a few times he did just let traffic go by. He did not race as hard as what we would expect him to race, maybe in a late model and all. I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen Dale Jr. in a true competitive week-to-week basis. Each time that he's come out, which has generally been in the earlier part of the season, where he's come out and raced, um, I, I could see where the chase implications would have a, a big, uh, you know. Look, I've watched I've watched Bloomquist go a lap down at a dirt track and pull off. Right? He knew he wasn't going to win. He didn't want to junk his shit up. He had to go race somewhere the next night, you know. So he pulls off. Right? That's, that's not uncommon. So as a car owner, you you you're, you're able to make those. That, okay, I can wreck a hundred thousand dollar race car, or I could wreck my teammate, who I'm also I'm the car owner of, who's bidding for a championship. Um, it's dicey up here. I, I mean, I can see it. Both uh, both fit the script. I feel, as a Dale Jr. fan, I may be taking up for him with my conspiracy theory. But it is interesting to know that each of us have kind of a, a, an opinion about what transpired there, and it doesn't follow the fact of that he just pulled off for a little bitty fire. You know, why didn't he get back in the race car and go racing, right? So there wasn't a, a, an anxiousness. Look, 
he would look relieved to be out of that race car when they did the interview. Did you guys see that? I mean, he did. He looked relieved, like, yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> you know, he was like, I was like, damn, this is a guy who was just running for third. You know, he should be disappointed. I can see the relief side being that he's in a he's in a very competitive field, and he, there are championship chase implications on the line, um, especially when his drivers are involved. So I feel like there was a lot of tension feelings for him, probably a lot of nerves as well, because normally we see Junior in like a regular season race where there's not a whole lot to worry about. He's jumping into a race where there's a lot on the line. Sorry, my dog's over here giving me love. And I'm sure he didn't want to do something to not only mess something up for his drivers, but for somebody else, too, that's involved for a championship. So he probably had a lot of nerves going in and probably during the race as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So there's been some silly season news. We got we got to hurry because we got round table. Uh, silly season news. Uh, out of left field, Spire buys another charter. Did they not sell a charter? I thought Spire sold a charter. So why would they buy no. a charter for forty no. million? So the rumor of charters being for sale and ended up being shut down was Stuart Haas and Spire. Both teams shut down those rumors, saying that there's no charter being um, sold or whatever. And so now Spire um, buys the Live Fast Motorsports charter. So if Live Fast Motorsports competes next year, regardless if it's part-time or full-time, they will be an open car, Um, which which is a big... Which is a little upsetting for the BJ for BJ McLeod and Matt Tiff, who you know they put in a lot of time and effort uh, to make this happen. But unfortunately, with those guys, there's not a lot of. I don't feel like there's a lot of big resources for them, and in a industry where if you don't have the big bucks or big bucks of any kind. Eventually, it's going to come back and get you, and this is one of those times. But this paid off. But I feel like with Spire getting this charter, um, it paid off big time for Trackhouse because Trackhouse now signs uh, Zane Smith, but Zane Smith will be loaned over to Spire and racing this third charter car. Another situation where the money comes to bite somebody in the butt. But we knew we knew Zane Smith was in the talks of getting of getting a cup ride though. We thought it was on the Ford side of things. Because obviously with him in front row the last couple of years. So we all believed he was going to stay with Ford. 
And apparently, Zane Smith, in one of his uh, press conference interviews, he said that almost 365 days ago, he was talking to somebody of where he wanted to go if he landed in Cup again. And that, and he wanted to land in Trackhouse. And almost 365 days later, he signed a deal with Trackhouse. So he had a vision. Okay. Here's what I don't understand. It was in 2021, Spire sold two charters and only kept one. Well, the price for charters in 2021 were nowhere near what they are worth now. Why did Spire sell charters then only to turn around and pay $40 million for its third charter? It bought a charter after selling two of its three charters that it had. It bought a charter from Rick Ware Racing uh, in 2021, and then – They turn around and buy a charter again for $40 million from Live Fast Racing. It's, it's not, is, is anybody not kind of seeing here where where does Spire come up with this money to win deal charters? I, I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing anywhere else where they can just buy and sell charters like they're uh, like it's monopoly money. What what what's going on with Spire Racing? And and then Part- I thought that Trackhouse Racing was going to field the cars for Zane Smith, but after listening to Dirty uh, Door Bumper Clear, Zane Smith's going to be a driver for Spire Motorsports with Carson so, Hosevar and Corey LaJoy. I think what. We're looking at here, and I think we're missing a piece here. I believe Trackhouse and Spire had this collaboration going. Because oh, yeah. that's what you call it. Because I pers because I'm trying to think of the words here. I think Trackhouse. Wanted probably wanted another charter car, but I think at the moment they probably and it's weird to say this. I think they didn't want to put all their money on it because not only did they sign Zane Smith, they also signed Shane Van Gisbergen. But SVG is on a more developmental deal, so the only cup starts we'll see him in will be with the ninety Project Ninety One car, and then in terms of Xfinity and trucks, it'll be wherever he lands. I'm not sure where he'll fall in the Xfinity side of things. Maybe colleague, I don't know, but I'm thinking with the truck side because of Ross Chastain with Trackhouse, I could see the Nice Motorsports side of things. Um, but I'm thinking it's just, I'm thinking there's a there's like a three-way alliance here because I believe Spire has some sort of alliance with Hendrick, I I believe, if I'm wrong, please correct me. Trackhouse might be on that same ship too. And I feel like Spire and Trackhouse kind of like paired up to 
make something work where Spire, um, maybe with this deal of Spire getting Zane Smith as a loan instead of Spire really signing Zane Smith as a driver of theirs, I feel like Spire maybe had a little bit more money to play with in terms of track house. I don't know, man. It just seems it just seems mighty fishy of one organization that's able to buy and sell charters. If the why would you sell your charters in the first place to turn around and buy them when they're going to be more expensive? Um, that just to me uh, doesn't make sense. Inspire is supposed to be a driver agency, right? Uh, they're supposed to be like an agent uh, for drivers, similar to Kevin Harvick Incorporated. Um, you know, it just it just seems like we're going to find out later on there was some kind of money manipulation here. Uh, it's like Justin yeah. Mark may own Track House, but then there's some, you know, there, there's some shifty things that go on between Colleague Racing, Spire Motorsports, and Track House Racing. I'm sorry. Hey, Matt, I will call it right here. We've been calling conspiracies all night. There's something that transpires between those three organizations that's just real fishy, and, you know, I haven't been able to put my finger on it, but, you know, this Chris Rice guy, he comes up a lot. He's kind of a weird guy, but, uh, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just have a feeling later on down the road, in a year or two, maybe three years, um, the NASCAR scandals is going to have a huge one on the uh, manipulation. Because the one thing that you're doing is you're driving the cost of these. See, Spire Motorsports is single-handedly driving the cost of these charters out the window. When you have an organization that has had possession of five charters, and they have sold each of these charters for more than you know what they paid for them, but then having to pay more for the next charter, which is driving the market value up, you know, most of the time we find out that there's some kind of Ponzi scheme going on there. Exactly. I'm sorry. You, you, scratch, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back, and we'll both come out better the for money laundering is something, right? You know, I mean, uh, they're taking something straight out of Felix Sabatis' book. The only way to make a, a, to make a, a million in dirt, ra- in, in, in dirt racing and racing is to show up with with ten million, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's there's something. It, it's gonna it it'll come out eventually. So what the what the big news basically had was Zane Smith was uh, signed by Trackhouse, going to drive for Spire. Uh, Carson Hosevar is going to be in the uh, with Spire Motorsports next year as well um, in, in the Cup Series. Um, uh, it, you know, these dominoes, they're about done falling. We've about, well, the one thing that the sport did, I guess, you know, cash in on is we got rid of a starting park car, basically. We got rid of the guy who never has never even been competitive. We've never even seen him lead a lap or anything. Um, you know, now that car will be replaced by a car that hopefully will be more competitive. That's good news. So, but uh, the the rest of the free agency list, I think Noah Gregson is the only guy here that we're left uh, trying to figure out, you know, kind of where his future holds. Matt Diamadetto got basically given the pink slip. 
after announcing that he was leaving uh, the 25 Truck Series team. Um, that, uh, given an early exit, uh, you know, that was news that just came out today. You guys got any thoughts on or, or, or anything with that? Matt Diamondetto has not been able to uh, bet on himself and win. I think – I don't know what it is with Benedetto. I don't know if he put pressure on himself or he's – I don't know. I feel like there's something there that's preventing him from being an easy top contender for not only – race wins, but also like top fives and top tens. Um, I know the news of him leaving Rackley uh, Truck Series team um, was kind of a bit of a shock, but he was originally going to leave at the end of the season so he could explore his options. And the team basically said, well, we're done with you since you're pretty much done with us. Uh have fun with your <laughs> endeavors. Right. And, I mean, more free time now to explore those options. <laughs> I've said, oh, I said this. I said this in our group chat. I, I believe he's got the talent, but I think a lot of what he's going to be struggling with to find a new ride this time is sponsorship dollars. If you look at where he was in Cup, which was Wood Brothers, I forgot where he was before that. Um, yeah, Paul Menard. Um, yeah, right before, or when he was given the Wood Brothers, right, Paul Menard hand-selected him. But with the Wood Brothers team, they're highly funded already. They already have Menard. They already have Ford Motorcraft. They already had like one or two other big time sponsors with the team. So De Benedetto didn't really have to bring much sponsorship dollars with him. Right. And then right. when when he left when he left there to go racing trucks with Rackley, um, Rackley had sim- similar situation with Wood Brothers. They already had their dedicated <clears throat> sponsor to that team. So again, the Benedetto doesn't bring a lot of sponsorship dollars. Now he wants to go find another team. He doesn't and, bring he doesn't bring the big dollars. So where's he going to go? And what? again, again, this is where the money comes to bite you in the butt. If you don't come from money or you can't bring a big sponsor, where does that leave you? Out of the sport. Exactly. You know, and all this talk about making, you know, making the cars more equal and, you know, trying to cut down on on costs for the teams, yet here again, what are we doing but perpetuating the drivers that have money or the drivers that can 
you know, corral those big sponsors. And and you see this all through the ranks. And, and, and you guys know this from your local track experience. If you don't have the money one way or the other, you don't race. It doesn't matter how talented you are or how untalented you are. If you don't right. have the money, you can't race. Exactly. And, you know, and, and and Maddie D is a decent driver. You know, he's he's had success. So why can't he get the sponsorship? You know, he obviously doesn't come from money. Otherwise, he. You know, he'd be in an okay situation. So what is it about him that he can't attract and, you know, and find at least one good sponsor to stick with him? So maybe that's his issue. Maybe he needs to look more at how he can pursue a sponsorship deal with one company. Because once you get one company, you can start to add more at, you know, at smaller levels maybe, but you can get there. I'm sorry. I'm looking at this from a, a PR perspective. Well, no. Well, Trevor Bain's a perfect example. Right? Right. Trevor Bain, when the money ran out. He ran out of a ride. Trevor's still talented race car driver. He's proved that on his few uh, races that he's raced with Joe Gibbs Racing. Right. I think I think if Matt DiBenedetto plays his cards right, I think he may need to look into an organization such as KHI to help him out. It, I don't I don't want to put him in a situation of you need to go put yourself in a <clears throat> SS Greenlight Xfinity car or try swinging for the fences and get into SHR. Um, I, I think him, if he goes the KHI route, he might have some sort of benefit out of this that might help him a little bit more. I mean, looking at the truck series this year, De Benedetto, yeah, he yeah, he was eliminated after the first round of the truck series playoffs. But in twenty starts, despite no wins and the lackluster of top fives because he only has two, he has twelve top tens. So I mean most of the time, he's a top ten contender. He's only he, there's only two races he never finished. Mm-hmm. And that's so not a race car driver, right? So, so he's so he's sitting about in the eighty to ninety percentile in terms of running up front Laps and completely. not finishing races. Mm-hmm. Or I should say, finishing races versus not finishing. Like I said, he, you know, he's he's a decent driver. 
Um, he, he's a great guy. Um, but he, but he's, he is at least a decent driver as opposed to some of those who sit towards the back of the pack all the time. You know, you have characters. Go ahead. You have characters like Carl Edwards and you have characters like Russell Wilson from the Denver Broncos. People love to cut up on them. They always said Carl Edwards had a fake smile. Um, a lot of times drivers are pinpointing Carl, Parker Kligerman. You know, people didn't like Parker Kligerman in the beginning. If Matt Diamondetto were to take the broadcasting side, people like Diamondetto. There's enough people that like Diamondetto to calm the other people down, right? <clears throat> Do you think that that would be a step in the right direction for just kind of improving? Obviously, that uh, relationship from the PR side, because one thing about Diamondetto is it seems to me that he's had a loud exit almost every organization that he's left. You know, it was a loud exit at Wood Brothers. It was a loud exit at Go Fast Racing. It was a loud exit from BK Racing. I think it's a loud uh, exit from this one. So maybe, you know, maybe he needs a little bit of broadcasting or, or being on the, that side of the fan side to make a I man to help Parker Klingerman mean, get back into a full time ride. It's helped. Right. It's also helped Trevor Bain on a part time ride. It, I mean, yeah, that's. I was just going to bring that up. So yeah, you've got a point there, Chris. Maybe you know, maybe that's something he needs to do to get his face out there more. He's got a good right. fan base. You know, so mm-hmm. let's build on that. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, Parker, you know, made it all the way into the the playoffs. So, I yeah, think Parker Kligerman was – people kind of thought of and, Parker as like a A.J. Allmendinger without the perfect hair. Kind of a rich kid. Well, <laughs> they didn't well, really here's belong the thing with, in NASCAR at the time. Well, I think with Parker Kligerman, too, you have to sit here and think. Um, and I think this is where we can see a little bit of a difference between Kligerman and Trevor Bean. Kligerman's got a full-time ride on a lower-budget team with um, that big machine record team or whatever they're named. Um mm-hmm. But Trevor Bain, he has a part-time ride, but he's working with a with a more well-known veteran team in Joe Gibbs. Mm-hmm. One's a part-time, one's a full-time. I'm sure the same money so, was spent. <laughs> but they're both driving. Right. And that's what Matt wants to do. Matt wants to stay in the sport. Broadcasting may be his best option. And I, I would enjoy seeing Dan Medeto as a pit reporter or something. I really would. I like Dan Medeto. Well, all right. In other, uh, in other, we got, um, we do have to mention that Daniel Hamrick will be moving back into the Cubs series. 
for the College 31 oh, yeah. team. Still unknown of the 16 right now. Um, Almondinger has said he wants to compete full-time with Colleague, but he's just leaving it up to the team of if he's running Cup or Xfinity. I would like to see him in Cup, but if it's an Xfinity, the only person I would think of that could grab a driver, a free agent, would be Noah Gregson for Colleague. If they don't move AJ back down, then they better gr- grab Noah. Mm-hmm. But then one. again, um, I, I, I can see him over there for sure. But then again, what did I post in, in the chat the other day? Noah is running. Uh, is it a late model race? Mm-hmm. For race, yeah. race? Yeah. yeah. So there's a possibility there too. Did you say was Rick Ware racing? I'm sorry. Was it? Oh shoot. No, was um, it Brent Jones. No, okay. no, it was Rick Ware. Wow. Hey, Rick Ware gives a lot of people opportunity. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, Rick Ware, once again, doing something to, uh, to help racing. All right, so uh, is there anything else that we got to cover before we go to round table? Boy, oh boy, we missed it this time. I I don't think we did as bad as you make it out to be. Well, we, if you would have just traded Ryan Blaney with uh, Joey Logano, I think we would have been all right. But you you really put Joey Logano in question, our last roundtable discussion. You were adamant to believe that Joey Logano was in a bad position. I just don't think any of us was ready to accept that. Oh, one quick thing. Without being rude, without being distasteful, disrespectful, Miss uh, Sherry Pollux passed away, um, long-time um, cancer survivor, ovarian cancer. Uh, she was a, a, a marksman um, towards uh, bringing awareness to that cancer. Uh, she was former girlfriend to Martin Truger Jr. Um, rest in peace. Uh, Sherry Pollock's, um it's heartbreaking uh, that the sport lost such a strong woman. Um, she will be missed greatly. Let's thank, you for, table thank you for bringing that up, Chris, because oh, that, no I, I was actually going to bring that up next. Um, she was a warrior, and she ran uh, Martin's Foundation for Pediatric Cancer for a long time, and she will definitely be missed. Condolences to everyone, to her family. For sure. 
All right, back to the roundtable discussion. We've eliminated four. Um, Kevin Harvick, just bad. Really, three out of the four guys were Fords, and all of them were former Daytona 500 champions. How about and that? And two of them were former Cup Series champions. Man. That is something. I just want to see Harvick win a race. Before he retires, right? I can see it, but um, one thing there's two things I kind of want to note here. One was, as you mentioned, Chris, I did question Joey Logano because with Logano on the odd number years, so we're in 2023, he's always mm-hmm. off. He's always off. It doesn't matter how far he goes, but he just, for some reason, with the odd number of years, it's just not his year. And everyone has that stat. And it probably haunts him. It's probably starting to haunt him now. Um, the other note I want to mention, this is kind of more of a stat of the day sort of deal. Um, Bubba Wallace, overcame the second largest deficit in NASCAR playoffs history to advance in an, in an elimination race on points. And he entered the playoffs at minus 19 and ended up with wow. plus four. Wow. Hey. Great to go. Yeah, we, we've got... <clears throat> we uh, need to give the guy some slack. We need to give him some credit. Um, he's racing better now than what he has in the past. Um, but, and it's expected, right? I mean, this is the third year of having good money. You got to you got to figure it out. And uh, he's proven it. All we ever wanted was to know that the investment was for good cause and not another waste of time like we had with Danica Patrick, right? Bubba was always showing that he could win races. It just took him longer to get there. Exactly. So, with that being said, we got round of 12 He'll be eliminated this round. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. Hold on. Let's go through our list of drivers, top to bottom. Wait. Let's start with let's start with the tracks in this series. All right. So, all right. So the three tracks in this round, we start off with Texas, then we go to Talladega, then we end the round with the Charlotte Roval, Charlotte Road Course, whatever you want to call it. Um, the twelve drivers in the playoffs still remaining are William Byron, regular season champion Martin Truex Jr. Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Chris Buescher, Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, Ross Chastain, Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, and Bubba Wallace. Now, I did do a average finish type of deal for this round of tracks with these 12 drivers. And if I read off to you 
who's in the bottom four, you may be shocked at at least one of them, if not two of them. Well, we are looking at the right now the bottom four in average finish with an eighteen point seven is Chris Busher. Then it's Kyle Larson with a nineteen point nine. Then you go to Bubble Wallace with a twenty one point two. And then Ross Chastain with a 23.3. The only one that surprises me is Larson. And uh, right now, with how things are looking for this round, I think Chris Buescher might make it out of here for two reasons. Caledonia. And Charlotte Rojo. We've seen how RFK has performed with the super speedway races. So I think Chris Buescher might be all right with that one. And with how he's ran on road courses. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he makes it through with that. The only question mark that he's got for this round is Texas. And that's his worst average finish in this round. Is a, That's a 23.3. Kyle Larson, um, his struggle point is Talladega, which doesn't surprise me any because he's not much of a super speedway racer. Bubba Wallace's struggle points are Charlotte and Texas. Ross Chastain, he has the same struggle points, but they're worse than Bubba Wallace. So with that being said, the floor is open. Well, I'm yeah, with Chris. Yeah. I, I, I don't think Bubba makes it past this round. I don't see it either. Yeah. I think Talladega's is only light of hope. And you can't really bank on that for a uh for a round like this. Right. Wow. Yeah, Bubba Wallace I, is probably the weakest. I can see I can see Busher making it pass, but be, just because, like you laid it out, he's good at Talladega. We know that. Um, you know, and <clears throat> good at the road course. maybe. I see. And the way. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I was just going to say, I, I, I know Talladega is going to be Larson's downfall. Um, but I, I, I'm not quite sure I see him getting eliminated this round. I think, I think he, I think Larson can do fine at Texas. Talladega is going to be the biggest question mark. Right. I honestly think Larson can make it through if he gets a good performance at Charlotte. 
Well, him and Dirt. But let, I'm going to try breaking this down here. So if we look at just the average finish of the Roval, which just about everybody in this round has fairly the same amount of starts. Um, Larson is on the bottom four of all these drivers. So I think if he can make up something with this track, he may he may be able to make it through. Obviously, if he yeah. say if he wins, say if he wins Texas, he has nothing to worry about for the next two races. But if he doesn't, I I would have to. If I were Larson, I would circle Charlotte and say, "Look, this is the track we need to have our A game on because if we don't." We might be going home. Well, all right. I'm, I'm going to throw a wild really card. I'm going to throw a wild card out there. Blaney. I can see him getting through. And here's why. He's got the second best average finish of all drivers in this round. Texas and Talladega, he sits at a pretty decent 15th place average finish. Charlotte, he's one of only two drivers, one of two drivers in this playoff of playoff field of 12 that have an average finish of inside the top 10. And Blaney has obviously won on the Roval before. He's won at Talladega right. before. He's won at he has won at Texas despite being an all star race, but he has won there. So all three of these tracks he has potential of winning at. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, well, Joe Logano won a championship too, and he can't get out of the first round. So Blaney and Chastain are my two guys that I know I feel like are going to have a hard time transferring to the next round. Bill is up in the air, so. I'm putting a vote for Chastain to be gone. I can go with that. I can go with Chastain on that one. I think his only strong suit would be Talladega. I don't see him being much of a threat. Honestly, the Charlotte Roval, I think he has the worst average finish of the 12 playoff drivers, and I think he's sitting the lowest as well for Texas. So it seems like he doesn't have a thing for Texas. Yeah, I'm I'm good with Chastain not making it too. So we got Bubba and Chastain crossed off. Yeah, and then it gets sticky because how much how much are you really buying into the RFA cars? I think they had one of the best rounds uh, of the playoffs on this past round. Um, yeah, but you have, you have say, to think about you have to think about how these tracks favor Chris. You know, right? I mean, as I've mentioned, yeah, they favor his style of racing. They really do. Exactly. Yes, Talladega and Charlotte Roval play into Chris Busher. Brad Keselowski plays into Talladega. I think that's his strongest track of this round. Um, I think, in my personal opinion. I'm not 
questioning it as much with Larson. But I think if he can get through, I think if he can get a good finish with Texas, um, Talladega is obviously suits his wheelhouse as well. Um, I think if he can get through Texas, he'll be all right. Talladega is such a crap shoot, though. And so is Texas. Really, Brad, this is this 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 is the round of chaos, right? I mean, you got Texas, no telling what the hell's going to happen there. You got the road, right? Is it going to be a boring road course race, or is it going to be the Roval? You know, they they over the last I think last year they really raced the Roval. Uh, you know, like the road course, there wasn't very much action. It was like they got it figured out all of a sudden. A couple things I want you guys to think about here, too, with how these playoffs work. And it's usually this round here, too, as Chris has mentioned. Think, well, let's think of the last round. Martin Truex Jr., if you have two bad races, you can be the regular season champion and rack up all those playoff points and be under the cutoff line and somehow barely make it through. Yeah. Look at the look at the championship year Kyle Larson had at one point and I do believe it was at this round, the round of 12. He was looking he was on the outside looking in at one point. Yeah, and Truex, yeah, yeah, Truex's a perfect example of that. Um you know how close he really was to getting eliminated actually. Uh he has to be a kind of a bubble situation as well. You know this what? One's and, and, this one's a lot harder. This one's a lot harder. I think we voted Chastain and we voted Wallace for sure. But yep. from that point, you know, to get find two more uh, to eliminate us, you know, it's I think really just a I roll think, of the dice because the Tyler Reddick, you know, does he carry the momentum into these next three races? He's been an up and down driver all year long. William Byron, I mean, we've not discussed him one bit, but that guy's been streaky, too. And, I mean, when I mean streaky, he can win all three or lose all three. I mean, so we don't know. You you guys may think I'm out of whack on this, but I highly think we may see a Kyle Busch exit in this round. Wow. But I think I can see William Byron and Tyler Reddick move on. Whoa. William Byron, hold on. William Byron, he has run very well at mile-and-a-half races this year. And obviously he's won a few of them. So I don't think, I don't think Texas will be a problem. We know if, we know with super speedway races, William Byron can William Byron can get the job done if things fall his way. He does have the fourth best average finish at Talladega amongst the twelve playoff drivers. Charlotte Roval will be the question mark for him. So I do believe William Byron will be okay. Tyler Reddick, on the other hand, two of these three tracks, he has an average finish inside the top ten. That's Texas and Charlotte. 
Talladega is going to be, just like Larson, Talladega is not suiting him at all. So I I have a good feeling that Tyler Reddick will go on, and I have a good feeling William Byron will move on. And personally, I think Kyle Busch may have bitten the dust on this on this round. You know what? He's overachieved see, in, in the equipment. I don't see Kyle Busch's consistency as of late as we saw in the first part of the season. But knocking him out of the top ten, I mean, that's, you know, I guess, I don't know. But I, I it, based off of the type of season Kyle Busch has had and knowing like we've not talked about Kyle Busch, right? He's been irrelevant. And that's that's basically terms for termination. So I, I will have to ride with you. I will have to ride with you on this one, Taz. I'm on board too. All right, so we've eliminated three drivers. Are we okay with moving drivers over in terms of can we move them on to the next round? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I pretty much already have my final guy that uh, that I believe will be eliminated. I'm not sure you guys are going to anywhere agree with it, but I have a feeling this, Driver was almost eliminated this time. Um, maybe it says a little bit more about what's going on in his head. Obviously, highs of highs, lows of lows. I, I, would, right. I would not be surprised to see Martin Truex Jr. make it out of this We're same really page. Yep. Same I was page. Thinking, I was thinking the same thing because, I mean, I know he – I know for a few months now he hasn't been with Sherry, but in some way or form, it's got to affect him. Absolutely. It could affect him in in the other way. It could, but I'm not – I think there's a little bit of negative press being pushed around this. I'm not going to get into the story and whatnot. Uh, I believe a certain um, commentator slash – uh, sport promoter, I guess, whatever she was, uh, was reprimanded and fired by uh, Sky Motors, Sky Sports today because of some Ooh, insensitive con- comments. She got fired. Yes, yeah, she did. Yay. She got fired. Sky, Sky Sports let her go. She was um, so out of line. Right. It was. It was. It was. It was. It, it said whatever. It said what a lot of people. Wanted to question. Um, I think she was defending a, a, a power woman to another power woman. I think there was something to that. I think um, it, that's no. the reason why she said it. No, you think As it was just woman, for attention. It was. You think it was just for attention. And that's all I'm going to say. And okay. that's I, that. But I, I yes, yeah, I that. I agree on putting Martin on that list just because. And you know what? And not just because of of what he might be going through emotionally right now, but because he hasn't performed. Right. He had earlier you know, in the season. He, he got <laughs> in on. He you know he squeaked into the risk this round by points. 
So, yeah, I I agree with putting him on the list. I mean, it's bound to happen. Like I said, last round, he was under the cut line. Kyle Larson's big comeback championship season, at one point, he was under the cut line. He was on, right. looking yeah, Kyle, on the outside going in. Joe Logano basically kept Martin Truex Jr. from being eliminated. There you go. Right. Yeah, That if it hadn't been for that wreck. And one thing I do want to read off here is that Martin Truex Jr., let me go through his average finishes quick. Um, in this little chart I have made up, he ranks seventh of 12. Um, 16.9 average finish in the round, but he's got 14.5 at Texas, 21.4 Talladega, and a 14.8 at Charlotte. Obviously, what I just read off, Talladega is his red mark. He, it's not going to go over well for him. So it's really going to be make and break at Texas and Charlotte. Kyle Busch, his strongest track in this round is Texas. Is Talladega? What? Speaking of Talladega, too, y'all. No, that's not his strongest track in this round. Well, I mean, he's pretty good at it. Talladega is too much of a crapshoot to be so his strongest track. I mean, he's got the mentality. <laughs> I, I think, see, I, here's the difference I see with Brad Keselowski and Kyle Busch, and I'm not knock, I'm not trying to knock on Kyle Busch any because I do think he's a well talented driver, and so is Brad, and and as well. I think with Kyle Busch versus Brad Keselowski, when it comes to super speedway races. I think both of them do show up to those tracks with a mentality of we're playing chess in a checkers game. But I think Brad has the better winning mentality versus Kyle Busch. Ooh, yeah. I agree. Again, not knocking on either one of those two by anything I've said, but there's something with super speedway races you yes you have the act for it but the question is how well can you play the game with it and i think brad kizlowski of modern day is one of the best drivers to do it he shows up playing chess in a checkers game and he's just smart how to do it Mm -hmm. and besides if you look at it with his Penske days, I think there was one year, I want to say it was, I want to say it's either 2018 or 2019. I don't remember which year, but he has won Talladega during the playoffs. Right. So he knows the mentality of this. Well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm a big time supporter. I think both Chris Buescher and Brad Keselowski is going to make it to the Final Four. <laughs> I mean, they, until they, until you show me a streak of three races where they don't perform, 
they have performed at every racetrack and every type of racetrack on the on the circuit. Okay, and they've been one of the fastest race cars each weekend at these tracks. Um, you know, every week for the last eight weeks. You know, they've been they have proved they turn the juices up at the right time, and they're performing their best at the right time. Now it could all slip out from underneath them. And they could be eliminated this round, you know. But it, but I think that they've really got something that's working, and uh, they're one of the best and the fastest teams in point time. I would not be surprised to see one or both in the final four. It's going to take a couple wins to get them there. But uh, you know, like I said, Keselowski is biting at the you know he's chomping at the bit. He's almost there. You know, he's he's almost there. So, do I think Keselowski is going to win this year? Damn right I do. Is it going to come at the Roval? Probably not. <laughs> Could it come at Texas? Yeah. Could it come at Talladega? Absolutely. Um, if Brad Keselowski isn't isn't one of your favorites for Talladega, I would uh, question uh, the entire year. But uh, I know, you know, Keselowski is going to be a favorite. And uh, he may get the win before then. Brad Keselowski is a contender, not a favorite. <laughs> oh, no. You are wrong, dude. You are wrong. I had, this guy's uh, got as many listen, wins as Dale Earnhardt and Dale Earnhardt I, Jr. Hey, I, I'm with you, but I had to throw in a little bit of, you know. Yeah. Well, Chris Busher is his teammate, so he'll have to push him to the win, obviously. Um but uh, I think yeah, I think I think Bush, I think Busher, I think Busher should owe Brad a favor. Yeah, that's for sure. But we know right. how that works when Jimmy Johnson got pushed to the <laughs> to the checker flag by Junior. Um, so, uh, and I hate to spoil it, but you know, uh, I feel like we were all on the same page. It was obvious. Like Martin Truex Junior. barely made it. I think we've kind of given him a a, a pass on what's been going on. Look, in these situations, a lot of times you'll see the best out of athletes or you can see the fizzle of the athlete. Where Martin Truex goes from here, I don't know. Could it Could it be that he has a newfound inspiration to go out and win one for Sherry? We don't know. We'll see, you know. Um, and I think that some of, the negative, some of the negative press is probably beating at him, and we will probably hear more from Martin about this situation come this weekend when the races come back. So, um, and yeah, I did want to caught us all by surprise. And I did, and I did think about that today. Like, as you said, Chris, like I thought of it at one point as Willie used that as a motivation. Motivation, yes. But at the same time, like. How much does this really affect him, though, too? Because, like I, cause, I mean, like I said, he's been with her. But he's been with her for like what over ten years? I don't remember the exact timeline, but I know I think it was for quite a while. And obviously, he's. Um, I just think that this we don't really know his real true personal feelings on this. Um, do we need to know? Not necessarily, but 
how much of this event will affect his performance. Obviously, we saw last year, um, obviously something was going on behind the curtains we didn't know about that affected his year last year. And it showed because not only was he, yeah, he was a top five points driver, but he didn't win. He didn't make the playoffs. And when, obviously, the news broke out that they separated um, at the beginning of the season, it seemed like Truex maybe had a weight lifted off his shoulders. But maybe with him not performing as well in the first round, how much of this will the how much of this event will affect him this time around? I will tell you that I know regardless of what their relationship status was, the man is heartbroken. There's no doubt about that. Um the the real question is is how it's going to affect his racing. And like Chris mm-hmm. said, you know, it could spur him on to do better than we expect. It could leave him where we put him in eliminating him this round. You know, so you know, that is a big question. And you you can't discount the human side of our drivers. Right. Exactly. So it remains to be seen, you know, exactly how this affects his performance. And there should be no criticism of his performance. Because of that. All right. Well, that's our uh, that's our roundtable discussion. Yeah, we got. uh, So we'll we'll do the rundown quick. So moving on, we have William Byron, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Chris Buescher, Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, Brad Kozlowski, and Ryan Blaney. Going on to the round of eight, elite eight, whatever you want to call it, the quarterfinal, semifinal, whatever you want to call it. And we were two for four the last round, so. (laughs) Our worst ever in our first round. Actually, no. I look back. No. No? Last, Last year. After the first round, we had we were one for four, correct, and that oh, was wow. our worst. <laughs> okay. So well, I think we did better than last year. Yay! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. How about how about some meatloaf? All right. Well, Taz, uh, I think that opens the door for uh, Taz's hot pick coming into where are we going? The, where are we going? Texas or the Rover? Where are we going? Texas, because everything's bigger oh, in wow. Texas. Oh, my. We don't know what the hell we're getting in Texas. Uh, 
I mean, this is our first time to go into Texas this year, right? Um, I think so. I don't think we did Texas as the All-Star. No, we didn't do Texas as the All-Star race this year. So I believe this is the first time we're going this year. I can't wait to go to Homestead. That's what I'm excited about. Uh, Texas. We don't know what we've got here. All right, well, we'll break it down for you. And right now, as I'm trying to put it in the group chat, so favorites, we have, I have listed Tyler Reddick, Kyle Busch, and Denny Hamlin. And the contender spot, I have Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., and Brad Kislowski. Underdogs, I have listed Eric Jones. I hate to say his name, but Mr. Rhinestone Cowboy, Austin Dillon. (laughs) And me, amigo Daniel Suarez. The floor is open for the rest of the fill the list. If you need stats to back it up, I'll be gladly to give them to you. So you got – did you send those? Yeah, got Larson? Yep, they're in the group. They're in the group. Okay. All right. All right, I see. I don't see Larson on here. He should be a favorite. We've got – we eliminated Bush, but now he's a favorite on the on this list. So, So – Texas is the only track I see him getting anything out of. But the reason why I listed Kyle Busch as a favorite for this race, and he's the only easy favorite I could put for any of the three races of this round, is because uh, he has four wins in 32 races, 14 (laughs) top fives, 14 top fives, and 18 top tens. The average finish yeah. is 11.7. So, he, this, so if Kyle Busch wants to go into the next round, this is trying to do it. Otherwise, I'm writing them off the script. It's the only reason why I have yeah, Kyle I'm, Busch as a favorite in this track. I'll have to take my chances and go with uh, – uh, Kyle Kyle Larson is a favorite, y'all. I mean, one of these injured cars is going to be a favorite. Um, we're to the point now in the chase where I'm not really expecting to see too many out of the chase cars being contenders um, as much as I would like to see Harvick. Um, but, uh, you know, it's the resources, right? The resources that are being put into these race teams. I feel like William Byer and Kyle Larson are going to get the best resources hands down coming up in this period of racing. So, um, based off of that it's a high-banked racetrack and, and they like to run around the top. Uh, I, it's just hard not to leave Kyle Larson, uh, you know, without putting him on the uh, on the favorites list, for sure. All right. That's fair enough. He does have a win at Texas. Um, his average finish is a 17.8. Or, so that is a bit of a downfall, but with 
how um, I can't argue against with what Chris has said. Um, I mean, he's he knows how to get the job done when needed to. I think this is one track he probably has circled to make sure he either gets a win or gets a lot of gets as many points as possible to move on. Busher. Yeah, Busher is a top contender. Yeah, has so, to be. So this is where when this is where the round table comes in. And this is why I said Texas was the big question mark because he doesn't even have a single top 10 at this track. Is a 23.3 average finish. And I know momentum's on his side in RFK side. I'll give him that, but this nor but this if he wants to get in at least off of points, this is the track where he's gonna have to make a move. And honestly, if we're putting him on the list, the only spot I can put him on is underdog. Now I put him as a contender. Chris? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I have to agree. Sometimes stats, you know, are what we depend on the most. You have to be you have to presume, you have to assume things as well. Um, the way that Kozlowski and RFK and Bush have been running here of late, I, I fall back to they are the fastest out on the racetrack. They are the top performing Ford cars. At the same time, um, history showed that Bush is not, not one of his favorite tracks. So um, I would definitely uh, make sure that he is on this list. So, Taz, if you're willing to put him over on the underdog side, um, I'm sure that there would be people who would argue. But we are looking for the top contenders at this racetrack. Um, and there may be a couple right. of other names that are out that are there above that. I'll consent to underdog. All right. right. It sounds like a good story. So... Now, for contenders, um, what about? Oh, yeah. I would. I would. He's what about that, William Byron or Joey Logano? No, I think uh, the resources are going to be in Ryan Blaney's favor now. I can see him as a contender easy. I mean, finish despite no win, no points wins, I should say. Um, eight top tens in 14 races with four top fives. He's led almost 4,000 laps. I can see him being a contender. No questions. He's won the all-star race at this track. Right. 
You're talking about William I Byron? Get that. I mentioned Logano and Byron. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you know, like I said, Logano's, he would be more of an underdog, I think. Byron has to be a I contender because he's, he's, he's a Hendrick car, of course. In my personal opinion, I would put Logano nothing smaller than a contender. I agree. He has one win, fifteen or twelve top five, fifteen top ten. And he's got a point to make now. Exactly. <laughs> Go win races. So we'll put him as a contender. Are we sticking Byron as a favorite too? Uh, yeah, I guess maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, yeah, probably. He's definitely, uh, definitely got some fast. You know, look, this is Hendrick's time to shine. Y'all know what time it is. Jesus, to think that William Byron's not going to go out and win this race, hell, he may be my pick for the weekend. Speaking of picks, I I'm got in Chris's head last week. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I got to make sure I get a solid pick this week. Damn sure. I, I, Chris. I'll admit. After I emailed my pick, I started looking at people's picks, and I was like, "Damn, <laughs> I got in his head." <laughs> I saw your pick. I said, or what happened was is that, um. I had emails flying through quickly, so I checked them rather quickly. And then um, just to double-check to make sure there was no, like, duplicates or anything. And luckily, my pick that I had typed out wasn't a duplicate. But um, as soon as yours came in, Chris, I literally laughed hysterically. (laughs) Because I was like, dang, I got in his head. (laughs) Whatever, I, I was mean, I was confident, man. Bristol was going to be it, and he didn't do bad either. I'll give you props for that. He ran five. Yeah, just didn't get the final points like I was hoping. So, you know, it happens. Um, trying to think, the underdogs. What's left? Who are you eating peanut butter? Yeah. Um. Shoot. Underdog would be a good one to throw in. Did I throw in Almarola? No, I did not. Oh, Eric Jones. No, Eric Jones. He's in there. Is he in there? He's in there. Yeah, he's in there. Never mind. Yep. Oh. And and this is hard to believe. I don't know how he does not have a win at this track, but he's finished outside the top ten four mm-hmm. times. At this place. 11 races, no wins, three top fives, seven top tens. Really? And he's led some laps. Good chunk of laps, too. Huh. Yeah, Jones is 
I mean, this is his his season, right? He, he's a better second half season driver than he is a first half season driver. Amarola is interesting. Um, I think uh, Ty Gibbs definitely one to watch because Toyota's definitely turned it on here of late. At least some of the Toyotas have. So we have to throw one person on this list. Would you do Amarola or Ty Gibbs? Ty Gibbs. Yeah. What about you, yeah. Lee? Definitely I give him a lot of credit, man. I don't even like that kid. Me neither, but we've we've given him hard criticism for getting on Grandpa's money. He's had an impressive rookie year, though. Considering, you know, we have to compare him to the Dillon brothers. <laughs> I think he's got more talent than either one of them. He's got more talent than the two of them combined. Oh, yeah, he's got more. <laughs> um, Baby Gibbs is more... Uh, more talent than Rhinestone Cowboy and the Pillsbury Dillboy. Well, I think that'll do it. So we've revealed the deal. Hope that you got your pick in. Hopefully uh, we won't uh, bump heads. I know that there's going to be some uh, thrashing to get to the uh, to the top guy. It was interesting. I didn't see Chastain. Never heard Chastain's name mentioned. And Suarez either. Suarez was an underdog. I get Oh, well, we didn't mention his name very much. Um, it just seems, uh, you know, all that talk of the powerhouse, the track house, was we're now seeming to fade off from that idea. Um, yeah, fade away, fade away. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, you know. So goes Craig Moore, so goes Trackhouse. <laughs> That's cold. You did not go there. <laughs> wow. I'm just messing with my buddy. Yep. I'm that asshole. <laughs> I love my buddy. Y'all know that. He's my buddy. Uh, look, this this show wouldn't even be here if I didn't have uh, him a part of it. All right. Well, well, I guess we're going to close it out. All righty. So, with that being said, thank you, uh, everyone for listening along to Race Chat Live here on Blog Talk Radio. If you ever miss a live show, you can always catch us on any form of podcast, such as Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, RSS Feed, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaven, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, YouTube, and Amazon Music. Speaking of YouTube, by the way, Go over to the 110 Nation Sports YouTube channel. Go hit that subscribe button. How about that? As you'll be, yeah. As, as you'll I'm, be uh, seeing that? clips of 
you'll be seeing clips of our shows, not only Reefcat Live, but also the One Ten Nation Sports Show with Mr. CJ and Mario from Carolina Sports Plus. Uh, you'll be seeing clips of Jared's new shows on Thursday nights as well, uh, talking mm-hmm. the safety part, the safety aspect of racing. Um, of course, um, any other content One Ten Nation related, we'll throw it up there as well. Um, yeah, that's the coolest. That's been the coolest addition to the One Ten. Is these new short clips that have come out? Love it, man. Gives us extra exposure. Exactly. So again, head on over to our YouTube page, click that subscribe button, and also if you want to, if you really want to be tuned in with us, hit that notification bell so that way there you know when videos are uploaded, you're up to date with us. Also, we want to make. We want to thank the sponsors and make the 110 Nation roll. Bears, Bullish Market, Talk Group, Carolina Sports Plus, More to Music, Karaoke and Entertainment, Yellow Caution Flag Productions, and TNT Designs. We want to thank everyone for listening on the Race Chat Live. We'll, we'll see you next, at the same bad time, same bad place next Tuesday night here on Blog Talk Radio. Don't forget, tomorrow night, Mr. CJ and Mario in the studio. Um, 8 p.m. Eastern is their show time for the 110 Nation Sports Show. I'm sure they have a lot of good uh, things to talk about in terms of NFL Week 2 recap and their Week 3 picks. Also, Thursday night, uh, tune in to Jared's podcast, um, talking about aspects of racing. He has, I'm sure he's got a good lineup of guests to talk about as well. Um, and of course, don't forget Monday nights are the 110 Nation and Race Chat Live exclusives, where you'll be listening to interviews from anybody in the racing industry. And we have Dawson Sutton as our guest this upcoming Monday. Alrighty, so with that being said, we'll say good night. See you next week here on Blog Talk Radio. This has been Sasha Flag Race Radio, Chris Creighton, the Mama Bear, the one ten I'm sorry, I hit that a little bit too quick. <laughs> good night, everybody. Good night.